MMA beats boxing. New heavyweight champ. UFC on trial. Bellator's dead. Pajeta does it again. And new pound for pound. All that and more tonight on Scrapcast. you need it. Scrapcast, back in your area. Got it. Episode 19, we are back. Episode 3 of Season 3. As always, your host, Ace, Mr. Will, Mr. Will, how you doing? I'm good, man. Good to be here. Alright, so, let's see. Um, a lot has happened since the last time we've uh, sat down to do this, so don't worry. We're going to catch you up on everything. A lot to discuss tonight. Yeah. Should be a uh, full, action-packed episode. Um, before we get into that, how's everything going? Everything's been going good, man. How you doing? Good. Yeah. I mean, as good as you can. You know, fucking, fucking getting into the seasons. It's getting cold. Yeah. Everything with the world. <clears throat> it's the holiday seasons, man. Y'all better be ready. Yep. So with that, free Palestine. Let's go. All right. Um. Round one, nowhere better, let's be honest, to start than got to be the biggest, I don't know what you want to say, the, not the biggest event, but the maybe the biggest impact on the sport of MMA itself. Not just this year, yeah. but for a long no, time. No, I'm thinking since Ultimate Fighter Season 1 finale. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. And that's not, we're not like, you know, drumming it up here. Like, um... For those of you that don't know, uh, Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou had their boxing match um, in Saudi Arabia. and Ten rounds, boxing gloves, boxing rules. and The heavyweight champ, the MMA heavyweight champ, fucking took it to the boxing heavyweight champ in his sport, in boxing. Knocked him down. Yeah, third round knockdown. His first boxing match ever. Yeah. After training for six or seven years in MMA, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, for a, for a little bit of context, Fury's the Gypsy King. Yes, he's been the, he's been the heavyweight champ. He's been a good heavyweight champ. He's got the lineal heavyweight champ. The too. lineal heavyweight champ. Um, yeah, he's he's an awesome heavyweight combat fighter. Yes, right. He yeah. really he really is. Let's not sell Fury short. <clears throat> but then you've got Francis Ngannou, who comes in after having been training in MMA, which does require some striking, but so many other facets to it. There's no boxing-specific training, and he left the UFC after becoming their heavyweight champ and defending yes. the heavyweight belt over in the UFC. Yep. He left last December, so it's been maybe a calendar year. Dang, that's true. Yeah, it has been, yeah. So in that calendar year, after... Having said he wants to pursue a career in boxing and have all these things, he got a chance to take on Tyson Fury. The heavyweight champion. And, of course, no belts were on the line. I mean, there was a belt, but it was a fucking hokey belt. It was. Like the Riyadh belt or something Whatever like that. It was, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. And no matter how you look at it, he made a great account of himself. Oh, I mean, I mean, 
Fury? Is that who you're talking about? No, he I'm talking about, I'm talking about Ngannou. Dude, Whether you think he uh, won or not, yeah. you have got to be impressed with his performance. Yeah, because I thought when we talked about Francis that we were going to talk about the winner, right? Um, <laughs> um, no, no, all jokes aside, you're correct. Um, you know, in the boxing match itself, <clears throat> I know before it we had discussed it a little bit on this show, but then even personally um, the day of, and both felt like if Francis was going to win because he had such you know, high power that it was going to be in the first couple of rounds. If he could catch Fury and then, you know, finish him, which is like an MMA kind of context. But still, Uh if he could catch him, you know, and put him away, that was going to be his thing. If he didn't, as the fight went on, it would be in Fury's favor. Um, You know, very reminiscent of McGregor when he fought uh, Mayweather. The same type of thing was game in the beginning, even took it to Mayweather in the beginning. And then as the fight continued to happen, he lost uh endurance and Mayweather just really went into overdrive and took it from him right yeah and so and and that was to that time that was the best showcase of an MMA fighter going into boxing and having that kind of result agreed so that was a good template um if you will for what could be possible and then he went in there he controlled the distance which I found super surprising. Um, that's usually Fury's game. Mm-hmm. And even more surprising than that was he totally dominated the clinch. Fury is Absolutely. known for, you know, tying up his opponents, weighing on them, leaning his weight into them, and really, like, you know, zapping their, their energy yeah. and then teeing off on them as soon as they break. And Francis was able to not only negate that, but every time they went to the clinch, he had these nasty uppercuts that he was working in on him. Yeah. So much so that Fury didn't want to keep going into the clinch. He didn't want that clinch work. And it, it ended up wearing him out more than it wore out Francis. Yeah. And not just because Francis has that MMA clinching background, but because Tyson Fury is, let's for some context here, is 6'9". Yes. 270-some-odd pounds. Well, he's, a, he's a mountain of men. He's always always been the bigger fighter in in the ring <clears throat> but he's also usually the stronger fighter in the ring when exactly he's and that was not the case fighting francis and you could tell after those first few clinch exchanges in the first few rounds he was like oh shit you could tell he wasn't he, he wasn't able to wear on francis he wasn't able to push him back he wasn't able to move him into the corner you could tell it was like it was like he was trying to hug a tree. I know. You know I know. I mean? Yeah, a tree that was trying to take his head off. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. Um, yeah, and then in the, what round was it, third round? Third round. Third round, clipped him Scores over the back of the hair. huge knockdown. Dropped him. I mean, the whole yeah. fucking, the whole world at that point <laughs> oh, was like, holy shit. Because we were all watching this happen, and we were like, Wow. This is way more competitive than I thought it was. Wow, yeah. this is pretty yeah. amazing. And then he drops the fucking heavyweight champ, and we're just like, yeah. oh! I mean, the earth shook at that point. It, it did. And it wasn't, and what was so surprising to me was they were boxing. Yeah. I was watching a boxing match. Yeah. Like these guys were feeling each other out, they were hand fighting. Francis was very aware of his footwork. And that's what was so impressive leading up to that. He had a game plan, he was smart about it, and he stuck to it. And he, and, it wasn't. It didn't take Fury very long to realize that Francis was actually boxing him. Yes, you know, it wasn't. Yes. This wasn't some sort of 
even though it was an exhibition fight, this wasn't some sort of circus thing. It's like, Francis came here to box you, dude. No, exactly. I mean, and take it to you um, in your sport with you being the champion, like, like you ain't shit, really. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, no, uh, super surprising. Scoring it, um, I believe that I had it um, six rounds to four, seven rounds to three for Francis. Yep. Um, I know that a lot of boxing pundits had it the reverse when they went and rewatched it. Even some yep. that said that they thought Francis had won at first. They went back and rewatched it. My, my understanding of it is that in MMA, we score with damage as being the number one criteria. It's the most important. It's criteria. the most important. And it's the most important to, to when you're trying to decide who won a fight was mm-hmm. who, you know, was able to, damage their opponent more mm. within the fight um in boxing it is not that way that's not necessarily how the score damage is one of many criteria there's a lot of other criteria a lot of it is left up to interpretation um you know positioning is a big part of it um yeah you know uh being able to volume uh jab right. and little punches versus big power punches um so my question to you is like we took the 10 point must system from boxing and then we have this different criteria of judging it to try to determine who wins a fight better. If, if we're watching it and we see that one guy takes it to the other guy so much so that afterwards the guy that everybody thought won looks completely fine. Like he wasn't in a fight. Mm -hmm. And the other guy that a lot of people thought lost had, you know, damage on his face and was wearing more of the damage. I mean, I mean, does boxing like need to fix the way that they judge stuff? I, I know that this is almost like getting to like <clears throat> the end of the whole, you know, boxing like era type yeah. thing in, in a lot of respects. So yeah. it's not something maybe necessarily needs to be at like, you know, have right. a lot of thought put into it. But at the same time, if you can watch a fight and you can see that one guy does more damage to the other guy, he knocks the other guy down. And at the end of the fight, the 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 feeling you get off of both those fighters is yeah that guy that knocked the other guy down and did more damage to his other guy that to the, his opponent won and that's the way that they both seem like they acted afterwards especially when you know Francis was the heavyweight champ like he was supposed to win it you know what I'm saying he no, wasn't supposed no, right. to be that competitive so and and that's and that's where I think some of this gets lost because in a situation like this when the overall consensus is Francis is the winner of that fight, mm-hmm. quotation marks, right? Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to give Fury the win. And that's the only way you, you can mean- rationalize giving Fury the win. Yeah. Because he's the boxing champ. Yeah. Like he they scheduled a title defense for him before he'd even had this fight. Yeah. And it's not like he was gonna lose any of his belts if he actually lost, but imagine what happens to boxing if Fury loses this fight and yeah. then has to go defend his belts in boxing against somebody else. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, so you knew that Francis needed Francis to was never going to win a decision. Yeah, he needed the finish. Right? Yeah. They were going to find... And that's why... And it's so funny that they have to be like, well, I had to go back and rewatch it. But now that I've rewatched it, it's like, okay. But the fact that you had to go back and rewatch it in the first place <laughs> should tell you everything you need to know. You make a good point. Right? You, you make a good and, point. And, and just for the record... Um, I had it scored five rounds to five rounds. However, Francis got the knockdown, 
which makes round three a 10 8. 10 8. So I had it for I had it for Francis. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, all of that, you're 100% on the mark, I feel like, too. I remember watching it um, and, um, you know, uh, texting back and forth that I was like, Francis needs at least another knockdown if it's even going to be like right. you could, close to a decision yeah, for him, you know? You could see the writing on um, the wall, you knew. Yeah, exactly. And for all those reasons that you said, speaking of Francis in boxing, there's already discussions of him um, having another boxing match. Could mm-hmm. be possibly December 23rd. There God, is, that's so awesome. There is. Like, uh, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that. Yeah. Um, his two, the two front runners in it are possibly uh, heavyweight uh, Li Zhang. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? The heavy-handed yeah. um, Chinese guy? Yeah. And uh, Joseph Parker, who also fought on that card. Yeah. yeah. He, had a, he had a good performance on that card, on the undercard. Right. And, and those are the fights in serious consideration. But the thing is, is everyone's been talking about it and calling him out and thinking. Even Wilder was like, I'd like a shot at Francis in yeah. the boxing ring. You know what I'm saying? But like, Wilder also said that he wants to go to MMA. And He's willing to do that. Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz, somebody he outweighs by like a hundred pounds. He said he was gonna fight. I thought he was gonna fight Nganu in in MMA. He would go to. <clears throat> why would he fight Nate Diaz? That doesn't even make any sense. Because he outweighs him by so much. That's why. <laughs> <clears throat> That's yeah. But but I'm so happy that this is now a legitimate conversation to have. Yes. Right. Yes. Like. Who wants it next? Yeah, like that's that's great, and that's all that that's all that Francis ever wanted. Yep, he gets it now. All of his hard work has paid off. All of his shitty negotiations with the UFC have paid off, and I I honestly could not be happier for the guy. Yeah, me me too. I am also happy for those reasons. Um, another reason that I am happy though for this is kind of what we alluded to in the beginning is that since the beginning of MMA, we've all known that mixed martial arts is fighting and boxing, while, you know, does classify its um, competition as fights, is a lot closer to a um, sports mm-hmm. type feel. It's, it's a one dimensional type of fighting, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yep. And so, because of that, there's always been this understanding that, um, you know, MMA and boxing, they kind of go back and forth. That's why they kind of rival with it. Because before MMA was around, boxing was the only thing that was considered like legitimate fighting. Right. And then MMA came and then that challenged everything. So then, you know, going through the the time lapse, there was all the, oh, yeah, but that MMA, they just lay, lay with each other on the ground, blah, blah, blah. There was, you know what I'm saying? Right. A lot of that right. type of stuff. Um, but the thing was, was watching mixed martial arts and watching the evolution of mixed martial arts, knowing that these athletes were going and training in these other disciplines, including boxing. Yeah. And we're going and, you know, sparring and testing themselves against world championship boxers in sparring and in training. Camp. Exactly. Yep. Yep. We knew that and seeing as the sport was evolving, we knew that it was only amount of yep. time yep. until MMA caught it and surpassed it mm-hmm. because of, the complexities and the different dimensions and just the overall, you know, um, um, challenges that MMA brings to the athletic, um, 
uh, structure, right? Yeah. And so, and so with all that being said, that was, I feel like for everything that Francis was able to do, I commend him for, but that was like the, that was to me, like the greatest part of all that happening was we finally were able to see as, as close and as, you know, um, concrete as it could be mm-hmm. in boxing that MMA has, has done it. Like MMA yeah. has got to that point Absolutely. and now we're past that. Absolutely. I mean, it was the reason I started watching MMA in the first place. Cause I watched, I grew up with boxing, you, yeah. you know, there wasn't MMA when we were, yeah. when we were that young, no. and even the very first MMA, not only was it so hard to watch, yeah. but, um, it just, it didn't have that. It didn't have that, that foothold that, um, <clears throat> what's what I'm looking for. They didn't have that that visibility yeah. to the general population, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 just for me, uh, there was always that something missing. And I like and I like boxing. Don't get me wrong, I love boxing. Mm, yeah. I love the history of boxing. It's it's there's been some amazingly impressive performances and amazingly impressive athletes. I do. It is the sweet science. Yes. Like when somebody truly learns boxing to the point where they can do some of the things that Roy Jones Jr. has done, Prince Nassim Hamed, yeah. some of the absolute bruisers that have been there, like a Hector Macho Camacho yeah. or Julio Cesar Chavez, or even the Golden Boy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, the, it just goes on. The list of legends goes on and on. But there was always... There's always something missing for me, and I didn't know what it was until I saw MMA, and I recognized it immediately as a truer form of combat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The fight didn't end just because you went down. And and there are there are so many different avenues to success within MMA, which is what makes it the beautiful sport that it is. Yes. Right? And I know that some of the fights turn into those lay and praise and it's not everyone's cup of tea. I get it. Uh, but if they allowed knees to the ground, I'm just saying. That's that's part of it. But the other thing is, is that that's simply somebody using their advantage to to have success in whatever in whatever combat that is. And that again is 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 how a, a real fight goes down. That's yes. why I call it a truer form of that combat. Because if yeah. you got into a fight and somebody was busting your head open and you were able to trip him and get him on the ground and control him down there. Yeah. That's exactly what you would do. Yeah. Or even just the fact of somebody being able to take the other guy down as opposed to just stand there and throw yeah. fistcuffs. You know, if yeah. some guy even just grapples him and puts him up against the wall, pins yes. him so yeah. that he can't do anything. Exactly. I mean, that happens. You yeah. see it. I mean, exactly. go down to the bar on a Friday night. You're going to see it, <laughs> you know? Um, yep. no, I agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, I think that, you know, there were some big takeaways also from this um, overall that will kind of transcend not just, as we talked about before, the boxing side from the impacts, but the MMA side. The, the, the political side. Yeah. And, and you know, um, just the way, like, like, you know, fighters got to take got to pay attention to what's happened here. What Francis has been able to do with his platform, with being able to string together, um, you know, three wins, three or four wins, um, you know, of devastating fashion, take the title, fight out his contract, you know, go through all that fucking horse shit that the UFC was doing to him and his team and the rest Mm -hmm. of it. He leaves, he put, he bets on himself. 
He goes and, you know, dedicates himself. He believes in himself, goes in there, is able to schedule, um, you know, this kind of event um, in boxing and then puts on that kind of performance. I mean, his stock now is not only through the roof, just on a, you know, personal level of who's he going to fight next. Boxing world wants him, the MMA world, like everybody wants to see yes. what he's going to do next, right? Yes. So not only in that sense has his stock raised, but now his status of, you know, legend, whenever we talk about that. And nowadays in MMA, it seems to only get to how many titles can you string together Right, is is going to what determines your, your legacy in a lot of aspects. Yeah. This is something that is completely different from that and yeah. that will transcend the sport exactly. even past what one promotion can offer you. This is what we're talking about when we're talking. This is This is all the things that we hoped for and that, you know, we believed in when we seen Francis going through the trials and tribulations and taking this on and being able to win the gone fight and then leaving and the rest of it. That was what all of this was like is, is mounting towards. It's like, you know, like, like, you know, that like the world of possibilities out there are so vast, you know, that this sport is dependent on the fighters, not the other way around. It's not, it's not dependent on the promotion. That's a big part of like where we're at today with it is that, Oh, you know, the UFC. Did you watch the UFC? Not even that the sport is MMA. It's that it's the UFC, right? right? And that they've done a really good job of structuring their business, of paying their athletes what they pay them, of doing a lot of that sort of thing so that the promotion is number one. Mm -hmm. But the promotion is not shit without the fighters. I I agree. I agree. Now, from a business perspective, of course, it's what you would want to do. I get that. But from the the people whose backs you're building your business off of, it doesn't do anything for them. Yeah. And you don't have anything without them. And Francis leading by example, changing the entire landscape and showing others what's possible. Yeah. Let's go and dominate some other sports. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, exactly. Sweet. Yeah, you're a champ. You want to go... Let's go take something else over. Yeah. You know? like uh, Yeah, exactly. Way more than just even like, you know, we said the one promotion can offer you. Um, you know, really setting your eyes to the sky as far as what can be possible and the limits of what can be obtained. So I really hope the fighters are able to see through that and be able to see that. Um, and it's not so much, you know, of just how much money can you make in each of these individual bouts as it is in... You know what I'm saying? Looking more long-term at, at what can be possible as well. And and any and anybody running any of these promotions, you'll know you'll know how much fear they have when they try to tell you that this type of thing isn't good for the sport. Yes. It's absolutely good for the, the sport and does nothing but legitimize yeah. MMA as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And and not only that, you're right, not only that, but then also um I think adds another level of respect to even boxing for taking it on for seeing it. And now having, you know, these kind of MMA names and, and as they gain notoriety, right. Mm -hmm. He's going to continue to go into boxing. It's going to continue to bring more eyes to boxing. It's going to let some of these other heavyweight boxers get chance to build their names off of what he's done. I agree. It's, it's one hand washes the other. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and so my last big takeaway from this is that fucking we've talked about it before and i gotta reiterate it you know um 
the UFC being short-sighted with its business um, sense um, and only looking out for themselves. I'm telling you, I, I know that even after this uh, last UFC event, which we will talk about here in a little bit, Dana White was asked about co-promoting with PFL and um, putting on the Francis versus Jones fight. Mm -hmm. And um, he was, and he gave a very short-sighted answer of, you know, well, what is the, what does PFL numbers do? Like, what, look at our gate. We do the, we've done the top three gates. What has PFL done? They're not even competition, blah, 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 blah. Like, like, okay. Like that isn't, that's not, that's not what's at play here. What's at play here is the biggest heavyweight fight that is possible today exactly. and could be exactly. of all time yeah. is right here. Yeah. There's been times before in history, Dana, when you've tried <laughs> to make fights that were the biggest heavyweight fights possible mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe the management of certain fighters or whatever happened yes. wasn't able to make it come to fruition. Yes. And, ha and then ha you have you know, kind of laughed at them, like, look at what could have been possible. We both missed out on this. How could you have been so stupid? I'm telling you, Dana, that if you let this go and you don't try to make this happen, even if it's only for one event, yeah, even if it's only for just one match, like if you don't try to make this happen, this event, this will be something that you will stay up late at night looking at the ceiling, talking about what the fuck did I do? It was good for the sport when you let... UFC fighters go over to Pride to challenge the champions. You knew it was good for the sport. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. You knew it was good for the sport when you tried to get Fedor and you're willing to co-promote with Fedor and they didn't let it happen. That was okay. That was good for the sport. Yeah. Now all of a sudden... You're the big dog. It's not good for the sport. Exactly. Because, because you're the big dog. It was one thing when it was the other big dog and you were trying to get up the hill because then it's always easy to keep your eyes focused on what's above you. You get to the top and all you're looking at is what's below you and that's all you're thinking about. Like, don't short side yourself. We have a chance to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And the only reason, Dana, that you wouldn't make this happen isn't from a business sense because you're going to make a shit ton of it's money. you're petty. It's, and you're scared. Yeah. You're scared that Francis is gonna fucking beat John Jones, yeah. and then what does that have to say? Yeah, it's it, no, it I, would be once again you betting against Francis yeah. and Francis winning out again. And and here's the thing: everyone should be afraid of fighting Francis. <laughs> yeah. And if and if you weren't before, you are now. Yeah. After seeing what he went in and did to Tyson Fury, and you should be, and that's okay. Yes, like it's it's that's okay. Yeah, it's okay to be afraid to go play Jordan on the court. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's like, how this whole thing works. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. how you and that's how you get better. Yeah. Like that's how everything progresses. Yeah. And and I don't like there was a reason why John Jones did not fight for th over three years yep. while Francis was challenging for titles and fighting and defending titles up yep. there. And even Dana White said and it losing, himself. And then coming back and winning. And, and even Dana White said it himself. Uh, I offered the fight to John Jones. He didn't take it. He's scared. If he wanted to fight Francis, he could fight Fran he could fight Francis. Yeah. And then and then now when the shoe's on the other foot and he has Jones but not Francis, look at the words that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, exactly. So Dana, you know, if you if you don't make this happen, it isn't from a business sense. It isn't because the PFL doesn't have anything to offer. We all know it's because you're scared that Jones may not be able to pull it off. You're scared of what that would say if your greatest fighter, 
Okay, the greatest fighter that you guys, uh, you know, say you have to this date, right? You're fucking number one, like, of all time, possibly. Yeah. If he loses, what that would say, and then having to lose again, betting against Francis Ngannou, and knowing that you let this go, knowing you let Francis go, you had Francis and you let him go, <laughs> like, like I get it, but that's that's the sport. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And no. I know you're a fucking gambling man, okay? That's what that's what the whole fu- life is about gambling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to let this happen. You yep. got to make it happen. And my money is that we got to make it happen next September at the Sphere. I just, it's got to be. Oh, that's a, that would be a dream come true. I just got one more thing to say to Dana before we move on. Hey, don't be scared, homie. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, classic. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. So let's let's move on now. Yeah, there were some really good MMA cards. A lot. <laughs> there the was last, a lot. There was a lot. So let's one. uh let's get let's get <laughs> caught up on it. Okay. Um, moving right along here. UFC two ninety four. Islam um, picking up the win over Volkanovski. Where do you what do you want to talk about? What do you feel about it? You know. Yeah. I mean, speaking of gambling, you know, it's always a gamble when you take that fight on short notice. Yep. Right. Um, especially against somebody like Islam, and mad props to Volkanovski for doing it. He he wanted it. He got it. Yep. Didn't work out for him this time, but I don't see him as any less of a fighter at all. No. It just goes to show you how preparation, how important preparation is. Yes. Yeah. How important it is. How important the weight cutting is yep. that's involved with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the implications of that. Um, all of that to be said. I don't see that there was a loser involved with that, even though he suffered a. You know, uh, head kick knockout in the first round. Um, that's part of that's part of the deal. You know, you Absolutely. take big risks. You you know that's where the possibilities of those big gains are. And sometimes they don't work out, and you pick yourself up and you move forward. You know, and nobody thinks less of you for that. No, at all. no. I mean, they shouldn't. Anybody who does doesn't know what the fuck they're talking exactly. about. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. Um, also on there, um, Hamzat was able to uh, pick up a decision over Usman. Um, Another decision I disagreed with. <laughs> um, pretty interesting. Just gonna fight. throw that out there. Yes, uh, pretty interesting fight. Um, I thought that um, Hamzat won it, but it was one of those things where he obviously had won the first round. Um, you know, pretty decisively. Hamzat at this point, it's pretty apparent what his fight style is. It's full blown first mm-hmm. round, and then you know. Yeah. No significantly less energy second round, almost no energy third round, you know, yeah. going on. If it would have been a fifth round, who knows what could have happened. Oh, yeah. yeah um, absolutely. Yeah, but um but once again, it was a really good fight. It was really good. I'd never seen somebody do that to Kamaru Usman, um take him down like that and just take and just totally take him like Nobody's uh, doubting Cam Cosmo, Camzat's skills. Yeah. Okay, nobody's at least nobody that knows is doubting Camzat's skills. Yeah. Okay. What what we doubt is this person that says I'll smash everybody, anyone anytime, and I'm going to be a champion in three weight classes. Those are the types of things that we doubt. So, okay, <laughs> like, so okay, so yeah, and my thing is that like anybody that believes that is buying into the hype, right? These guys are the same way that Colby Covington sells himself on this like really trashy type persona in order to drum up, you know, sales. Hamzat plays that role of like the big bad fucking Russian that's going right. to beat everybody. Anybody who knows anything, not only about fighting, but about, you know, human nature, you can't always be the hammer. 
and you're not always going to, and there's right. going to be other people that are you're going to come across that are going to challenge that and put you and turn you into the nail. It's only a matter of time, like mm-hmm. everything. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, like like I love I love the fight stuff f- for it. I, I whenever they start getting into the showboating stuff, and sometimes I really like to get into the whole shit talking thing. But yeah, it's it, it's nothing but sales. That's all it is at this point. Um, the you know only other there was a lot of other good uh, performances on the card. Um, uh, Mamed being able to get the win over Tim Elliott. Mm-hmm. There was um a lot of uh great performances. Um, Akram Alice Karoff looked really good. Yeah. Uh, against Werley Alvarez, which we said he was going to. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty. It was. It, it was a pretty good card. Let's yeah, not it minimize it. It was. It was a pretty good it card. And we're gonna get to see that rematch between Walker and Uncle Liab here before mm-hmm. too long. Uh, moving on. Um. BKFC um, has had some events. They tried something new. They had a uh, BKFC event in Thailand 5. They had uh, Bukwa and Senchai fight each other um, in BKFC rules. It was supposed to be a special version of BKFC rules. I don't know if you got a chance to see this or not. I did not. Um, I watched it. Um, Wasn't great. Um, I got a lot of respect for both of the legends. Um, But the BKFC really, I thought... um, dropped the ball on this one they created a special rule set um that not only was not really utilized but they had you know that if you did the tie throws the tie takedown tie throws whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. them those were not allowed and they continued to let them happen through the fight right um and so it was i don't know how much they paid both the guys hopefully they paid them a lot but once again it was another showcasing of BKFC kind of, um, I don't know, not, not, not doing what they could have, leaving a lot there, mm-hmm. wasn't great, but at the same time, it was something that happened. So, there you go. Yeah, I mean, at least they're trying shit. Yeah, I, yeah, for what it's worth, you know. And um, then hopefully they'll learn from that, and the next time they'll do better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so also we had a one fight night sixteen. Um, Pretty good card all the way around. Um, Yeah, Jonathan Haggerty versus Fabricio Andrade. They um, so Haggerty was the featherweight Muay Thai Thai champion. champion. Andrade was the featherweight MMA MMA champion, and they had Mm. the vacant um, featherweight kickboxing kickboxing belt belt that Mm -hmm. was on the line. Um, And Haggerty was able to um, take out. Andrade in the second round. Yeah. Uh, we both favored Haggerty in the fight based on the fact, like we said, he's the Muay Thai fighter. The it, Muay Thai is much closer, all things considered, to kickboxing mm-hmm. than MMA. You know, um, not that Andrade wasn't going to be able to compete in there. He did. Um, but at the same time, I definitely favored um, Haggerty in it. And that's what was shown in the fight. Absolutely. And you're going to favor Haggerty in most matchups that are based on pure striking. Yeah. You know, there's very few people at his level. And and again, I, I like that one does this. Yes. I like that they have their their fighters um, fight in different sports and different disciplines. And, and I like that Andrade took that challenge. Yes. You know, he does have a limited kickboxing background. Uh, he is very heavy-handed. I mean, it's not like he wasn't landing. No. Uh, but it, it didn't... He wasn't good enough yeah. to beat a, a John Haggerty. Outside of landing that one clean punch that would have put him out, he 
he didn't have the skills to go toe to toe with Jonathan Haggerty yeah, for any in a kickboxing any, match. Yeah, any prolonged period yeah. of time. Yeah. If it had been an MMA fight, could have oh, been completely absolutely. different. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but also on there, um, our boy, um, one of the Rutello brothers, mm-hmm. Ty Rutello, was able to get his middleweight championship. Um, Submission yeah. grappling champion. Um, little brother Kate, or not little brother, they're twins, but he's smaller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I say that. Uh, Kate has the belt in the lighter division of submission grappling. Um, so props to both those guys uh, for perpetuating Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and and showing how far it has come. Yes. You know, a lot of people, you know, like just think that it's kind of a forgotten art when it is kind of the thing that started MMA in the first place. Yep. And, uh, you know, and Mikey Musa Messi as well. Like, uh, I'm glad that they're here and I'm glad one gives them this platform to show these guys. How high level it is and how far it's come. Yep, I agree. Um, really good card all the way around. Yep, else? absolutely. Um, I think that was. Um, yeah, I think that was. I mean, the other fight was, uh, Saksan, was the other fight I was looking at. Yeah. Uh, he got he got the decision, over Benu. Uh, great fight. Yeah. It was yeah it was a really good fight. Yeah. No, there were there was a lot of good performances all the way around on the card. Um, I was really impressed with uh. Halil um, Amir. Um, oh yeah, taking out our our boy from uh, yeah that fought Sage Northcutt, <laughs> Mutab, Mutaba, uh, Ahmed Mushtaba. Yeah, Mushtaba. So, so, so yeah, yeah. So that was that was good. Um, but yeah, great card. Always one. Um, love love the love the events. Mm. Love them. Um, we also had UFC Fight Night Almeida versus Luez. Um, gotta be honest, not the greatest card. This was a very underwhelming card in many aspects. Uh, we lost three fights from the card within 24 hours yep. due to weight misses, due to illnesses. Um, Ace, I know you've got an interesting story about why um, Petrosian wasn't able to make oh, his fight. Oh, yes. Yes, that's um, true. <clears throat> but uh, Dalby beat Gabriel Bonfim, which is a big feather in his cap. Bonfim was undefeated at the time. Mm-hmm. Dalby weathered the storm, took him out. Um, fucked my parlay. Up. <laughs> I know. God damn it. Um, and uh, and 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 I expected more out of Alameda. Um, I I thought he would win more decisively than that. I thought Derek Lewis was the good bet because I thought he'd land some good punches, but that ended up being a total snooze fest. Hundred percent snooze fest. I even forgot that that was a fight that was on the card. Yep. Um, I'm not, yeah. Not surprised. No, <laughs> I have I've told myself over and over again that um I gotta quit betting against Dolby. I have to quit yeah. betting against him. The dude ruins my fucking parlays <laughs> yeah. every time. And and I told myself after the last time, I'm not going to do it again. Uh-huh. And then this bomb theme fight, I was like, dude, this guy's a phenom. And to be fair, he put Dolby in a lot of positions it's in so the true. first round right. that right. he could have very easily got the finish um, and uh, was pretty close to in, in yeah. different instances. And so maybe things could have went a little bit different. They did it. Dolby is a tough motherfucker, and if you do not kill that motherfucker, he is not going to go anywhere. Right. And so once it, once Bonfim had no more energy, Dolby just started pouring it on him and got him out of there with a KO in the second. Well, and so that that goes back to the the hammer and the nail thing you were talking about, right? Yes. So when you yes. see some of these matchups, Dolby is not necessarily uncomfortable being the nail, yeah, getting beat on, yeah. So that when it's his turn to be the hammer, pause. You better be just as good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And he proves it over and over again. So 
you know, I hope that the I hope that the odds makers didn't learn their fucking lesson <laughs> because well, I need we some, didn't. <laughs> I need some fucking retribution. Okay, that's what I need. So uh, no, all things considered, um, you know, even though this fight wasn't for any kind of um, actual ranking. Dolby's he's up there. I yeah. mean, after his after the string of performances he's put on, whoever he faces next is he's going to be a fucking problem. For Agreed. Um, so yeah. So um, any other fights that really? I, I was eye? I was impressed with Elvis Brenner's performance. Me too. That was the um, other one that I was going to say. The shoot box fighter yeah. was able to fucking put it on him. Man. Absolutely. I was really looking forward to seeing him fight. He didn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, he got Krushevsky out there early, and he looked good doing it. Yep, I agree. All right, um, moving on. We had, um, just this last weekend, we had Game Bread Bare Knuckle MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to say that it was, a, it was a good card. I would love to say it was a decent card, but all of those things would be lies. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, um, so I did get a chance to see some of this. Did you? Okay. Um, <clears throat> before we get to the bad... Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what, what's the good? Well, um, uh, why can I not remember it? Lombard got oh, a win. Got a win. I mean, yeah, but the guy he was facing was like, hey, O and O or something. I'm you just know? saying. I know. I Lombard know. got a win. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ref wanted a murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he wanted. No, he was like, no, that guy's tapping it four or five times. He's not done does, yet. What you know? Why does that happen? Why does that happen so often to Lombard though? Like even in the UFC, we saw him. Mall motherfuckers. The fight didn't get stopped, and then he's just too tired of whooping the dude's ass, and then he loses. I don't know. Maybe uh, Chris Sor- Sorrow fucking was banging the fucking refs like girlfriend or something, or maybe it was his ex. You know, I don't no, know. It's entirely possible. But there was some weird shit going on there yeah. where he was tapping, obviously, and Lombard was just on his back, just had him sprawled out, just punching know, him over I and know. over again, and the ref is just standing there looking down at both of them, and he's just like, "I'm not stopping this." And, so, and again. Bare knuckle MMA guys, not bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. Bare knuckle MMA. Yeah. Okay. So MMA without any kind of gloves, not even the little four ounce ones. No gloves. Um, Randy Costa beat Jason Knight. I was happy for him. Um, yeah. But but yeah, the, everything else is not good news for. Yeah. So that's that. Um, the one thing that I will say about this, though, um, besides the fact that the fucking refs in Mississippi should be shot, is that. Um, I realized while watching this card that we have BKFC, which is bare knuckle fighting championships, but is really just bare knuckle boxing. Bare knuckle boxing, so it should, yeah, should be BKBC. Yeah, exactly, or just you know bare knuckle boxing, or well because there's BKB, right? So that's why they're BKFC. Right. Um, but to call yourself bare knuckle fighting championships and to not offer any other kind of dimension of fighting besides just the boxing i think really undercuts it so in all things considered this was bare knuckle fighting championships all things there, yeah yeah there you go Agreed. So, yeah, yeah that was the one thing that i did take away from that um all right we have played catch up long enough we are here at ufc 295 just happened this last weekend a lot that has poured out since this a killer card. um yeah killer card um fucking God damn, I got this one completely wrong um, in a lot of aspects. A lot of the favorites that I thought were going to win mm-hmm. was the exact opposite of what was of mm-hmm. what happened. So, um, 
while I uh, wipe away my tears. Why don't you um, just go ahead and uh, start us off? I'll preface this by saying no money was won <laughs> on FC <laughs> yeah. 295. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a um, lot, of, lot of great performances. Uh, classic performance from Jessica Andrade yes. versus Mackenzie Dern. Um, Benoit Saint-Denis continues to cement himself as the next big thing at lightweight. Yep. Um, Diego Lopez, man. Making the name for I himself. I mean, come on. This dude is a killer. He is exciting. He is all go, no quit. And, you know, we we got to see him on like a two-day notice fight against Evloyev. Yes. At his weight class. And he gave Evloyev everything he could everything he could handle. I mean, it, it was a close fight. No, and, and I get that Evloyev technically got the, the win, but you could have made a, such a strong argument for Diego getting that as far as like damage goes and stuff like that. Like, yeah, no, it was a close fight. It, it was. was. And then he went and, uh, man, I can't remember who he beat after that, but he got a TKO and then he came in and he just beat Tucker, Gavin Tucker. Yep, he yep. beat Gavin Tucker first round. Yep. Now he beat Sabatini yep. first round. Yep. And he just goes there and, and puts it on you, dude. Like, yeah, you, you better be ready. Cause, and what is he like? 22. Yeah, young, very yeah. young. Um, just came out of the LFA, was their champion, yep. has a world of promise ahead of him. I realized that he trains with um, Lupe Godinez. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're they're under the same camp, who also fought on the card and yep. had a uh, uh, pretty good fight against Tabitha Ricci, uh, was close, um, but... I thought that she had done enough to win the majority decision. Was it? It was, it was a split decision. It was a split decision. One of the fucking judges was gave blind it, as shit. Gave it thirty twenty seven Tabitha Ricci. Yeah, there's and, no way you saw that I, happen. No, yeah. that's not how. No, not at all. Even Bruce Buffer was like, "Dude, what are you fucking no, doing?" No, you can always tell when you start counting the time in between the end of the fight and how long it takes him to get to the scorecards. You can tell he's seeing something funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can say what you want about Buffer, but he knows. Yeah, your boy Rebecca. Uh, yep. was able to put it on Roosevelt mm-hmm. Roberts um, looked pretty good um, pretty close fight between uh, Sadikov and Sadikov and Bo- it, 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 which ended up being a draw I know yes. right and and that's, but was but was right I mean you I that mean, is I the thought, right call yeah I thought it could have very well been that the is draw. the right call I yep. agree yeah um, Boroshev got fucked up in that first round <sighs> definitely deserved that that 10-8 mm-hmm. um, but then he came back and and took control and won the other two rounds. Yep. You know? Yep. And so that's what that is. That's a 28-28 draw. Yep. Uh, Jared Gordon finally being able to put it together to get a yeah. victory in the UFC against Mark Madsen. Good for him. Yes. I was rooting for Madsen. But Me too. Good for, good for Gordon. Yep. The string of bad luck is gone. Yep. Um, the Van Borjas. The, the, the Joshua Van Kevin Borjas fight, Borjas, was an epic brawl. It was. It those, was. Those guys beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I got nothing but good things to say about both those guys. Yep. You know? Exactly. Neither of those guys wanted to lose that fight. They both came there to win that fight, even up until the end of the third round. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely. was back and forth, back and forth. Great fight. Yeah. it. I, I loved watching Bor, like Boros, Borjas come out and have some success early. Van have to change it up and start going to the body more. And... And and then Borshaw's having to come back and, and change his strategy. Like it was such a great show of two fighters adapting in ring in real time. Yes, I agree. Um, we talked a little bit about it before. Jessica Andrade, props to her for getting the performance. I really think, and I told you this when we watched, so I'm just gonna reiterate this. I thought that Mackenzie Dern um either didn't show up 
or which I hope is not. I hope that that was the case. I hope that she just had an off night. Sometimes people do have an off night. It's fine. I'm more worried though because she transitioned um, into having her own fight camps, right? Centered around her at right. her house. That that has never really been good um, in the history of MMA right. for fighters, especially when they're on their way to the top level. Once you've already reached the top level and you're kind of you know like hanging out, even if you're a champion or you've won the title and gave it up or whatever, then it really does matter. Then you kind of just like do whatever because you're kind of just in there to do it. Right. But when you're on your way up and you're getting towards the top and you start doing that, sometimes you build this camp around you. And it takes away all the challenges that are presented when you're in a, you know, when you're training with a bunch of other like killers, right. you know, a bunch of other people trying to get what they need to get done. Too. Absolutely. Um, not only are you less exposed to different styles, different fighters, different people presenting different challenges, um, but you always worry who these people are that you surrounded yourself with. Are they just a bunch of yes, men? Are they yep. just telling you what you want to hear? Are they going to be able to push you when you need to be pushed in order to grow as a fighter? And that's the thing that being in one of those larger camps is, is even if even if no one's sparring with you, there's still other people exercising, working out, sparring, and even subconsciously it, yeah. it pushes you. You're like, I can't. Like I can't go home yet. I can't quit. Yeah. Like look at all, everyone else is still here. Yeah. Rolling, and you know exactly. And you're training and seeing, like you said, the younger talent. You're seeing the drive they have. You're yeah. seeing the yeah, promise exactly. that's coming up. You see that yeah. next wave of what's coming, and that is endurance making, motivating, all of that in order to keep you, you know, focused on it, and also keep you sharp as to yep. what what you need to really focus on mm -hmm. in order to, you know, um, find the victory. So. Uh, yeah, she went in there. I mean, it was really reminiscent of Ronda Rousey going in there and like just thinking that she was just going to be able to stand mm -hmm. and throw punches against Andrade, who's like that's her whole game plan and her strength and has been her whole She's career. She's such a hard puncher. Exactly, and um, yeah, and she paid the price for it. You oh know? yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, she got us. She got uh, stopped in the second round, and so yeah. I really hope that. Mackenzie Dern can take what she needs to because I really feel like a few minor adjustments like we had talked about setting up more of those takedowns when she started the engagement taking it to the ground finding it making it on the ground you know really wearing on Jessica Andrade there or even getting the submission I thought that that was definitely the, the well, way at least victory. clinching her and trying to burn her arms out instead of letting her because the thing is, she would in, she'd initiate the striking engagements, and she'd land. Yeah, like she has technical striking. Yeah, but Andrade knows she can take two or three to land one, and, and you're going to go is, down. Yes. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. She's like, okay, two jabs, you hit me with the right cross. Well, you're still in the, you're still in the pocket. Yep. Here's my counter left, and, and she's you're on fucking, her butt. Yeah, and you're on the ground. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Jessica Andrade for you. That's, you know, that's literally the definition of Jessica Andrade. Yeah. So I, yeah. So. We'll leave that there. Um, moving on, the heavyweight title fight, uh, Pavlich versus Aspinall. Both uh, had you know moved this fight up because of John Jones dropping right. out. Right. So neither of them were really planning on fighting each other this soon. Couple weeks out. Mm -hmm. um, all things considered, they went in there and do what heavyweights do. Uh, Sergey touched Aspinall and looked to um, have stunned him. Um, but then when Aspinall had his turn and he touched Pavlich and stunned him, he was able to throw another one, two on top exactly. of it. It dropped 
Yeah. Pavlich, he jumped on top of him. He got the finish. Good for Tom Aspinall. He's the new heavyweight champ. I don't give a fuck what the UFC says as far as uh, no, he's interim, interim belt or whatever the fuck. Whoever no. wins between Jones and Miocic, they're going to retire. They both will probably retire. They w- that will be a double retirement so, fight. I don't yeah. even know why this so, is a thing. Yeah, so, yeah, Tom Aspinall, heavyweight champion. Um, really would look forward to seeing that rematch, though. Um, it, I mean, not that, not, not that I believe that Pavlich would win the rematch, just the fact that, like, that's the thing about heavyweight MMA is that, like, you know, it it all it takes is that. All it takes. Yeah. Pavlich was able to hit Aspinall first. If he would have followed up with just another punch, he probably would have got Aspinall out of there. He didn't. Aspinall did. He got Pavlich out of there. And those kind of, you know, uh, heavy man firefights, I'm up for those all day long. Like, let's just see it whenever it happens again. And no matter if they have a full training camp or not, that's what's going to end up happening. So, And, and we will see this fight again. Yeah. Um, Sergey is going to continue to win at heavyweight. Uh, I feel like Aspinall will as well. Yeah. We're definitely going to see these two fight again. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then we had the light heavyweight title fight. Uh, Alex Pajeda getting the stoppage against Yuri Porochka. So, what are your thoughts? Go ahead. Um, maybe Yuri rushed it back a little bit. Maybe ring rust was a factor. Um, he didn't seem as aggressive to me as he normally is. Maybe that was calculated. Maybe because he was aware of Pajeda's power, he didn't want to be. Uh, but that, but again, that kind of takes away from the fighter that Jiri is. Yes. Um, but either way, in one of those firefights and exchanges, Brejeda was able to land, hurt him really bad. And even though Jiri was trying to go for a takedown, which was a smart thing to do when yeah. you're rocked, um, Brejeda was able to finish him and, and put him away. I thought it was a fairly early stoppage. I don't necessarily think it changed the outcome of the fight, but I, I do think that fight should have been allowed to go a little bit longer than it was. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I felt the same way as far as that. When the title's on the line, you really got to let these guys fight until they go out or until they really can't defend themselves. Um, I didn't think that that was the case in the stoppage with Yuri. However, after the fight, Yuri said that he was knocked out um, and that, or he wasn't there, and that he thought that uh, Mark Goddard had done a good job. It's really, at that point, not for me to say. I mean, that's the whole point. We always tell the refs that, you know, with the whole thing with CT and the rest of it, that they got to try to make that decision factor of when the fight gets stopped. Maybe he did an excellent job. If Yuri thought that he stopped it before he did and Yuri wasn't taking unneeded punishment after it, maybe did a great job. From my from my viewpoint of knowing title fights and seeing that Yuri was stunned and that there was still looked like a lot of fight left um, in him, I was I was wanting to see the fight continue on to see what would happen. Maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't have. All things to be considered. If Yuri didn't have a problem, I don't have a problem. Hats off to Alex Pereira though for being able to get the title. I mean, this is a guy who two came division in division champion. Yeah, not, the, not simultaneous two division no, no, champion. No, but, but still, but still, yeah. this was a guy that came in kickboxing um record um had had this um you know uh rivalry with adesanya was the champion at the time that was the whole point of getting this guy in here really was just to get these israel fights if we could fingers crossed that we could make this happen and the dude has been able to achieve way more than that i mean now he's probably looked at as like 
I don't, maybe the fan favorite in the UFC. I mean, as far as like all things considered. So his fighting style certainly lends himself to being a fan favorite. But when you include his his history in kickboxing, this guy is just a pure combat athlete. Yeah. Like this guy's a pure a pure fighter. Yeah. You know, and he does he does what he does well. Um, I I. I don't want to argue with Jiri. I would never argue with Jiri. <laughs> but but I think him I think him saying that about Mark Goddard in that fight, that's that's Yuri. That's who Yuri is. Yeah. That's like he's he's that type of guy. Like he doesn't he doesn't talk shit. He respects everybody. You know, he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. He's a pure warrior and 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 I still say that was I still say that was an early stoppage. So, yeah. For, for what it's worth. For Will, what it's worth. Will's still on the early stoppage. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, that um, really brings uh, the end to all the fights. However, there was more news that happened in between. Um, so, as we alluded to before at the beginning of the show, um, the Zufa's appeal to continue to prolong the antitrust case was denied Mm -hmm. by the higher circuit court. So what had happened was um, Zufa was, they had a judge um, in, um, in the district and they didn't like the judge. They thought the judge wasn't very knowledgeable. So they appealed to have um, the higher district court, not knowledgeable about what law, not knowledgeable, not knowledgeable enough about, um, the sport and more, I guess, like the whole antitrust part, right? They thought that this judge hadn't, didn't have the experience in order to make the kind of decision. I don't know that to be the factor. I'm just saying that's what they, that was why they, right, they took it to the higher circuit. I, I get that. And, and my only point is this isn't about what you know about MMA or the sport or the business. Mm. This is about predatory contractual obligations yeah and business practices and business yeah. practices no exactly um and so that was their appeal was that they wanted to have a higher district court make a ruling over it maybe get a different judge different set of eyes whatever the case the higher district court looked at it and they said no right. we're not doing this rightfully so, so they kicked it back down so now we're going to either trial or settlement now this is the antitrust lawsuit like we talked about before what this what this is really covering in this for a lot of for a lot of people that didn't know and I wasn't really too clear on the specifics of it, but what this is covering is the practices that the UFC has with the fighters in their contracts and how their contracts are structured, how they're independent contractors, but the fighters can't go and fight in other promotions and can't be subcontracted by anybody else can't be subcontracted by anybody else and have to follow you know the same policies that employees would except they get none of the benefits that the employees would get and because they're looked at as independent contractors the ufc um get certain tax breaks for it mm-hmm. and the rest of it mm-hmm. and also um then the fighters and are the ones that end up losing not just from the low pay, which we talk about over and over again on this show, in consideration to other professional sports, what the fighters take home versus what other pro athletes take home and the owners and the 
promotions versus all yeah. that, right? The UFC has the lowest as far as the athlete payout um, percentage-wise. And so the the UFC, the ZUFA um, antitrust lawsuit is split up into um, the ZUFA era, which was um, 2011 to 2016. Now, there was, there was before... But, you know, Zufa was the owner of the UFC right. before that. But this is just where the the um, case, the time in which the case, um, the court case is is uh, scoped as. So there's the Lee versus Zufa, which is 2011 to 2016. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the Cajun Johnson, which is 2017 to present. Gotcha. And um, so that's basically where we're at with it. Um my guess, I don't know. We don't usually do this kind of thing on the show, but I'm not too unfamiliar with court cases. Um, and I will only say that um, I will only say that more than likely, what's going to end up happening is there's going to be a settlement in this thing. Uh, yeah, I would. Because I would say so. the UFC really can't risk going to trial, losing the trial, having to pay out this, and then the ripple or the repercussions of that throughout the rest of the sport they're gonna try to set up a sort of settlement where it's a you know non-disclosure you can't talk about it the rest of it they're gonna try to bury this no that's that's exactly right because if if the if it gets to the point where the judge is ruling on this then he gets to make certain changes as to what you can and cannot put in your in your contracts moving forward yeah and you know that's not what they want yeah so yes, but what they're gonna do is they're gonna pay the money. They're gonna make them sign all the NDLs yep. so that you can't, you know, talk about it or do anything like that. And then like you're you hit the nail on the head. It's they're gonna bury it and they're gonna continue to do business pretty much as usual. Now saying that, the fighters now who have been overlooked, shrugged off, looked at for a long time, you know, even when some of them they were going through this lawsuit, they still had. Um, years that they were able to make money and they didn't because they were contractually obligated to the UFC right. and they couldn't go anywhere else. So then they ended up, you know, not only did they lose out money while they fought for the UFC, they lost money going through this court case. They have the ball in their court. Mm-hmm. So if I could advocate for anything, it's go to trial. Right. Go to trial. Yeah. Take this to trial. Make the, the there's no possible way unless the judge is like bought and paid for, that they're going to show that there's anything other than significantly predatory right. practices being used. Right. So the, so the best thing about these types of <clears throat> instances, these types of trials, is it makes all of this private information public knowledge. Yep. Right? We get to see how much money they're taking in, how these contracts are structured, Who's getting what? What kind of specific clauses? I mean, we and we already know some of it. We already know you sign away your image and your likeness rights. Mm-hmm. We already know that you sign away in in perpetuity. In perpetuity, yeah, I know. And, and you are you sign away um, any of your rights to promote yourself mm-hmm. pretty much in any way, shape, or form. Yep. You know, to have anybody else sponsor you yep. for any of these things. And these are all things that w- it, when you look at any. When you look at any sport, these are avenues that athletes use to make money beyond wow. beyond their beyond their base pay, beyond their contract, beyond whatever else they're making. While being in a union 
that is representative at right. the table, which means they take a bigger chunk. They take a bigger chunk home from the actual sporting event and then still have the avenues open to Absolutely. make money outside of it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. This has been something that's been a long time coming. Mm -hmm. Um you know, um, in our post-capitalist society, whatever you want to call this, plutocracy, autocracy, whatever the fuck, it could be all of that. Um, it's This isn't something that is uncommon, but at the same time, the chickens are going to come home to roost eventually. We're seeing this happen even here with the sport, and so I'm all for it. Um, I really hope the fighters do what the fighters do and fight it and take this thing to fucking trial, because if they do, it could really, um, it can change the sport forever. I, even if they, it, it's already in a good in a in a good spot. Yes, in my opinion, because yeah. even if, even if they settle, that still tells other fighters, hey, we can sue the UFC. Yeah, and they'll settle. Yeah, I'll get I'll get my money one way or the other. Yeah, you know exactly. And then they'll have to go back through the court case. My thing is that do the fighters, you know, have it in um maybe to do this? I mean, just think about it. this lawsuit, right? Was back in. 2011 when it started right? yeah yeah i mean we're talking you know 12 years no, ago i know so can you go through 12 years of it and especially if you have years that you can still make money and you don't make a lot of money right. in the sport You're you know right. what i'm saying so it's just it's not only it's not only doing it for you fighters right now that have already had to pay these dues you can do it right now that can prevent it from happening again and again and again it's up to you guys. You guys are the ones fighting the thing. I'm just saying that would be where I would advocate for it. The ball's in your court. Everything is stacked in your favor. It'll be what it'll be. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else? I think we're good. Round All one. Right. Round one. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, corner talk in between rounds. Um, I came across an interesting question, very topical, very relevant. Okay. Um, and it, and it goes back to what we were talking about. The next fight for Francis Ngannou, in your opinion, okay. Ace, do you think it's going to be like the likelihood of it being an MMA fight or a boxing match? First of all, and there's, there's, there's levels to this, right? Yeah. There's other, and, and, and if MMA who, and if boxing who, but just to kind of get the basics, What's the likelihood his next uh, combat event is MMA and or boxing? Um, the the likelihood is really good. I mean, on both sides. But I would definitely favor here. Here's my thing: if Francis wants to fight again before the end of the year and get another payday, you know, like they're talking about with this December twenty third date somewhere around there, it's gonna have to be boxing. It's gonna have to be because right. he's contractually obligated to PFL. And the PFL can't put anything on that would be close to that before that. I mean, I guess they could have him fight in an egg, in a in an exhibition fight in their championship that's coming up in a is it next week, right. couple weeks? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. I guess they could throw something like that right. on, but then they're gonna have to find somebody also that they could match him up with in MMA and pay them at least a million dollars worth. Yeah. And if you take a look at the heavyweights that are outside of the UFC right now. There's a lot of great names, and a lot of them are, you know, older veteran legends. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not really going to be the competition. It would be just like, we're going to pay Francis and said fighter a shit ton of money just to have an MMA fight. 
So if Francis wants to fight, that's the beautiful thing about this. Francis, how much money you want to make when you want to make <laughs> money? Um, <laughs> right. So if you want to, so if you want to have, um, if you want to make money before the end of the year and have a fucking next a really good payday again before the end of the year because you've been off for a long time, there's fucking boxers that will fucking yeah. that will that will sign that and we'll do that all day and we will watch and everybody you know um, the the thing the other thing about it. Is, is that that we didn't really discuss before with the whole Fury thing was like there was a lot of talk after the Fury Ninganu fight about how low the numbers were. I just want to put this out there because I had heard I had heard that and I didn't hear anybody really give this side of the story, which was not only was the promotion for the fight, the promoting of it not great, neither side considered this a legitimate right. fight. Boxing didn't consider this legitimate. MMA didn't consider this legitimate. We hoped Francis could shoot for the stars and do the best. We, as MMA aficionados or whatever the fuck you want to call us, thought that the best likelihood would be to catch him and to take him out in the beginning. Right. But it would be another circus-type show, right? Yeah. That was more or less what we thought. The boxing was like, there is no fucking way this dude, this MMA dude is going to come in here with no boxing fights and do anything to our heavyweight champion. Yeah. So the, so here's the thing. The numbers of people paying to see this were really low because the expectations were super low and the promotion was pretty minimal. Okay. All things considered, that's what would lead to the low numbers. Now having this happen, not only that, but look at, look at the amount of eyes of what happened after it happened. Think of how many people knew about what had happened after it happened, how big that was, how much people were talking about it. I mean, it was like all over TikTok. There was all the, there was the Francis knocking him down. So, so no matter what happens moving forward with Francis and boxing, it's going to be significantly higher. You know, it's going to be bigger. And, and think about how much more they want it now than they did before. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I mean both sides. Exactly. Both sides want exactly. it now more, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. So yeah. so there is that. And and you're right, you made you made some good points. From what I was able to gather and and I want I want to start by saying like pay-per-view numbers are always like mythological yes yeah (laughs) they're never (laughs) yeah it is it is it is reading the tea leaves is what it is this is never something that's that's honestly quantifiable and and maybe it is but nobody ever actually nobody ever actually gets to know how what what they are but but you're right from what i have heard it was the it was the united states american pay-per-view buys that were low but i did i did hear that there was between 300 and 400,000 overseas oh, nice. pay-per-view buys. Nice. So, um I don't think it's as bad as they're making it seem. I know they I know that's how they want to push it. Um but I don't think it was that bad. First of all, second of all, Francis still got guaranteed like 10 million at least and that's before Oh yeah. splitting the gate, splitting any of the oh, yeah. no, he got promotions paid. or sponsors. Yeah, he got paid. So, yeah. yeah. And deserved every penny of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. gets to make and gets to make even more now. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. So yeah. So that's that's how I see uh, where it's at. I mean, what do you think? Do you think uh, the you likelihood of it? Until uh, you, no, you you made me switch my 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 stance. So I would have said MMA, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't thinking about PFL's logistics in setting up his next fight. You're absolutely right about that. Um, between now and the end of the year, you're right. They don't have an event to put him on. Um, and, and, and I, I do think they could find, you know, 
one of the stipulations for Francis was that whoever fights him is guaranteed two million. Yeah, I guarantee you can fight find somebody to get in the ring. Yeah. with Francis for two million. Yeah, that's more than these people make in MMA, guys. Yeah, like people are going to be happy even if they even if they're like, hey, I'm probably not going to win. I'm still going to get two million dollars. No, no, like that. That's huge. Um, and I think it would be good not just for the PFL to get eyes on it on, on their big prize, especially coming off that. Um, that boxing win, but the optics are going to look good because he's probably going to smash whoever they bring in yeah. to fight him. That's why I was leaning towards um, MMA being more likely. But but you're right; it's going to be easier for boxing to put him on a card and have an event for him than it is PFL, at least within the next three or four months. Yeah, um, yeah. The only other thing I was thinking though was if they uh, like imagine if they took like I don't know one of the top fucking heavyweights, like they took like. Sergey and did the fucking Alberto Del Rio thing like they did in Pride, where they like <laughs> put a mask on him and gave him a fake Dude. moniker and brought him in, and they were like, you know, Francis Ngannou versus Mister Unknown, and everybody was like, oh fuck, like we all know who this is, yep, yep. but that's not, but we can't legally, he can't say who it is, and he can't show himself, and he can't show any likeness, but we're still gonna have this match. So unless they wanted to get creative like that, um. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. So. Okay, <clears throat> that would be uh, that would be something to see. That I'd would be. That. <laughs> that would be. It'd be awesome. It'd be um, like because you don't even know who it could be. You'd see him come out, and then you'd see him like take off their cape, or whatever, and you'd be like, "All right, all right, he's about this big. He looks like this. Who is it? Who, you know, I, I know probably, that yeah. tattoo. I know who this guy is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um, maybe uh, Brock needs some money. Maybe he needs two million. I don't I'd know. I'd so. love to see that. Ah, oh, dude, that'd be um, fucking awesome. That'd be. So, I mean, that would yeah. be murder. Is what that, <laughs> that would be. <laughs> they uh, there's yeah. There's some others. You know, you've got there, there's there's people out there that would that would want that payday. I agree. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Round two. All right, round two. So we're uh, Mr. Will. Is your let's do it. The show. Yeah, let's start with the the fighter rewind. <clears throat> Okay, so did a lot of thinking for this one. Got a huge list of names, trying to figure out who best to present for this uh, specific piece. And this time, last second change, I went with Francisco Santos Miranda. Okay. Do you know who that is? No. That is Frank motherfucking Mir, baby. (laughs) Frank Murr, dude. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> Frank Mir, one of, in, and this, okay, just my opinion. The, most of this segment is going to be just my opinion, yeah. not factual. Yeah, no, but so. honestly, one of the best heavyweights of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, no, I agree. And, and in my opinion, the best heavyweight submission artist of all time. Of all, uh. Uh, of all time. And, and these are discussions I love to have okay. because there are other valid arguments. Yes, yes, but, exactly. But... Um, He's beaten most of them head-to-head and submitted them. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, Frank Mir got his start in the early UFC. He started way back, um, UFC 34, beating Roberto Traven. Submission armbar. Even from the, from the very beginning, this dude was the 240-pound heavyweight that moved like a lightweight yes. on the mat. Dude. Yeah, He was like the first one to be oh, like absolutely. that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And people didn't even know. He was just locking shit up. Um, his second fight in the UFC, 
an amazingly beautiful highlight submission finish of Pete Williams. Yes. The inside shoulder yep. lock, uh-huh. tore his shoulder. Even to, to this ripped day, his elbow. when we were watching the fights, when we were watching the last card, and I was yeah. like, oh, man, that it almost was like, you know, like yep. the Frank Mir. Fucking, yeah, that was fucking, damn. Yeah. And that was, and that was the other thing is like, at that time, Pete Williams was like already pretty much considered like so a legend uh, at that so time. Good. He had had the knockout over Coleman. He had been there in the beginning years. Mm-hmm. He was already super established. And then we had Frank Mir who had just come in, got a submission win, and we were like, oh, like Pete Williams is coming back. He's going to get his name off of this, you know, no name dude. And, you know, he took him down and. Mir just fucking, he put his, you know, arms like on the mat, which was always at that time considered the way to defend against, yeah. you know, because you wanted both hands on the mat so that they couldn't grab one of your arms and do something, yeah. do it in the submission. So he had both of his hands on the mat and Frank Mir was just like, well, just give me this fucking elbow <laughs> He's and just up. fucking yank that shit. So Ripped yeah. that shit, destroyed yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> he goes on to fight Tank Abbott. Yes, I remember at an the, onslaught the UFC submission. 40. Still to yeah. this day, the only toehold yep. submission in UFC history. Yep. yep. Um, ended up having to go two fights with Wes Sims because Wes Sims stomped on his face. Oh, was on the ground yeah. and got DQ'd. Yeah. But they went back and he knocked Wes Sims yep. out. Yep. Then he goes and he gets to fight for the heavyweight champion. The heavyweight oh, okay. championship. Okay. He's facing Tim Sylvia. Yep. And once again, the fight goes to the ground. And he ends up with Tim Sylvia's arm. He break he breaks his arm. Yeah. He he ripped Pete Williams' shoulder. This is one of those dudes that you know, and a lot of people in BJJ's, you know, they'll like, oh, does he have it? He he doesn't have it. Oh, he's not tapping, and then they get out of it. You, that's not what happens when Frank Mir gets yeah. gets a hold of no. one of your limbs. No, he's taking it with him. Like, uh, and in that fight against Sylvia, I remember um, he had the arm bar. Yeah. On him, and so Sylvia was bent over. And he had the armbar, and Sylvia got up and was trying to pick up Mir to try to slam him yep. or do something with him. And Herb Dean jumped in and was like, whoa, 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 stop the fight. <laughs> yeah. And everybody was like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, like, we're just getting ready to see like, a he's slam. Like, it's broken. It's broken. Yeah, what are you doing? And so everybody was booing. Everybody was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And then they showed the replay, and then that's when everybody was like, you could see the actual like uh, bone in his arm snap yeah. out, oh, and yeah. that's when you were like, "Oh, oh, that's what he saw." And then everybody was like, "Okay, good call, good call." But I do remember it being like, "Herb, you fucking this up!" Like I remember, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> so there was that. So he wins the UFC heavyweight championship. Yep. From Tim Sylvia. But now, unfortunately, it was short, he, he yeah, gets into a motorcycle rate. accident. Really <sighs> bad one. Fuck. He was really fucked up. Yeah. Was out for. For almost three years and should have been out for longer. Yeah. But they yeah. did strip him, yep. right, because of that. And uh, he did rush himself back. And <clears throat> he goes two and one, Ugh, losing to Marcio Cruz fights. and Brandon Barrett. And yep. they were. They weren't pretty. Yep. He got fucked up. But then he comes back and he's actually Pedro back. Cruz? Was who he lost to. Oh, he Marcio lost Cruz. Oh, okay. Yeah, Pedapano, yeah, knocked him out. Um, no, but he comes back and his comeback fight was Anthony Hardong. Submitted oh, him. Kimura. Shit. No. Nasty Kimura, yeah. too. And Anthony Hardonk is, I know he was a meathead looking motherfucker, but he knew he knew to tap. Yeah. And he tapped, so that wasn't technically broken. Um, then he gets to fight Brock Lesnar. And, okay, and really quick, Hardonk wasn't ever a submission fighter. No. He was a kickboxer. He was a kickboxer. So sure. it was smart of him to fucking tap. Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. then he fought, he got to welcome Brock Lesnar. He got to welcome Brock Lesnar to the UFC. Yeah. Brock Lesnar's the biggest thing, fucking roided to the gills, like just crazy WCW motherfucker. 
and goes in there and tries to go for the takedown like the good wrestler that he is, ends up getting fucking knee barred. Yep. Right? Yep. And <clears throat> wins submission of the night honors for that. Then he gets to go up against his idol, Nogera. Nogera. Yep. Big Nog. Mm-hmm. And he actually won the belt. I know they call it the interim championship, but technically Frank Mir is a two-time UFC heavyweight champ, okay? <laughs> he went in, and he was the first person to finish Antonio Noguera. Yeah. And he knocked him out. Knocked and him. he dropped him yeah. like four or five times in that fight yeah. before before they, he, before they finally finished it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Brock Lesnar came back, got the TKO, UFC 100. avenged his. Yep, that was UFC 100. Um but he stuck that horseshoe right <laughs> Frank Mir's ass. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. But he got in there with Czech Congo and dropped Czech Congo, mm-hmm. snatched up a guillotine, mm-hmm. yet another submission win. Mm-hmm. Beats Crow Cop with the knee, beats Roy Nelson decision, then gets his rematch with Big Nog. Yeah. That that fight versus um Crow Cop though, uh five rounds, not the most entertaining fight. One of the most boring fights I've ever of seen. all time, until the knee knockout at the very end. Very end. Yeah. 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 No. F- yeah. No. Super variant. No, that was a really anticlimactic thing, and then all of a sudden he just knocks Mirko out with yeah. the knee. And, yeah. But Nogueira, for years, had been asking for that rematch. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't. He wasn't feeling well. He was, you know, like they all, you know, all the Brazilians they got all those excuses when they lose. Doing all this thing, <clears throat> and and yeah, so so they match him up again, okay, and this one's at UFC 140, and they go in there, and it's not looking good for Frank Mir early. Mm-hmm. Noguera's on his game; he's bopping him around, he's got him up against the cage, and it looks like he drops him. Yeah, well, Noguera had really worked on his boxing at that point. True, very he true. He had he had for Noguera's whole career, he was the he was the submission dude. He was the submission dude in the heavyweight division, and um. At this point in his UFC career, he finally started utilizing boxing and was able to... Um, he was good at it. Yeah. No, he did. I mean, he knocked out Brandon Schaub. He did some... You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, he did. He was... Yeah, he... Anyways. Yeah, he was good at it. Yeah. But when they start rolling on the ground, yep. there was a Kimura attempt from Frank Mir. And if you guys have never seen this fight, you have to go back and watch this yeah. fight. This is one of those fights... You have to see because it's an incredibly beautiful display of two high-level grapplers. Yep. Noguera actually reverses the position mm-hmm. and rolls back into a dominant position, and Frank Mir rolls him again. Yep, he's like, no, we're still has the Kimura. Yep. Rolls him again, goes leg overhead, and starts yanking it. Mm-hmm. And Nog doesn't tap, and he ta- he breaks Nog's arm. Yeah, so he takes another fucking limb home with him. Yeah, from. Big Nog, Nogueira, yeah. one yeah. of the other best submission artists, got his arm ripped off by Frank Mir. So, unfortunately, Frank Mir doesn't end his career with a great record, but nine wins by submission, mm-hmm. not one of them a rear naked choke. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not one of them was. And the, and there's no duplicate. The only duplicate on there, he's got two arm bars. Yeah. So seven different submissions. Yeah. And, you know... A fairly underrated stand-up game by the time he got towards the end of his career as well. So, yeah. I mean, he did. He did have some... I mean, that one over Noguera was a good one. Yeah. Um, the knee knockout over Krokop. The knee knockout you know? over Krokop. He ended up beating the shit out of Bigfoot Silva. He ended yeah. up knocking Todd Duffy out. That yeah. was a hell of a fight. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, exactly. So, yeah. I agree with you on that. But Yeah. 
Definitely one of my personal favorites. No, exactly. And not only that, but like one of those fighters that really did a lot um, for the sport and really did a lot as far as the overall impact of the sport. If it wouldn't have been for Frank Mir to do what he did and was able to accomplish what he did, especially the two wins over Nogueira, there wouldn't really be any dispute over who is the greatest heavyweight submission grappler like there wouldn't have been because Nogueira was that dude that was all he had to offer everyone thought Nogueira was that dude no that's all he had to offer forever that and but he was so good at it that that's why he was the pride champion that's why he was a UFC champion that's why he was I mean who he was I mean the Nogueira brothers were known before you know little Nog was known for having substantial boxing they were known for their jujitsu game Mm -hmm. you know um and so yeah and so yeah but frank mir was able to not only like you said showcase his grappling game at, at at that high level but even further than that um you know he was somebody who kept he was somebody that was able to you know, overcome and reinvent himself at a time when that wasn't what was needed in the sport. You could come in at that time and be a one trick pony and do very, very well Mm -hmm. your whole career. You know what I'm saying? You could just know one, you know, aspect of the MMA game really well. And you could be a legend. Most of those legends at that time were that he came in, he, like you said, um, you know, one of the first, like, um, not underweight, but one of the, he wasn't trying to be the biggest dude. Right. You know what I'm saying? That was his thing. And then, and he came in and he was showing like his grappling game was like really superior. I mean, the P Williams, the tank Abbott fight. I mean, uh, yeah, I remember fucking tank Abbott coming back and I was like, fuck that tank's going to fuck shit up. And then they went in there and they kind of rolled around on the ground for a minute. And then he fucking grabbed his foot and then tank tapped. And I'm just like, what the fuck was that? Um, and so, um, but then even that, even past that, the fucking, you know, motorcycle accident, him going through that, I mean, to be a fan at that time, to have, you know, lived through that, watching the sport, being able to see somebody with all this promise. And not just the promise, but somebody who capitalized on the promise. Somebody yeah. who was able to overcome legends with his strength, go get the title, um, was able to do what a lot of people thought that he couldn't and then have that taken away from him. Really, you know, have it taken away from him himself, you know, with being in the motorcycle accident and the rest of that. Not that it was his fault again on motorcycle accident, but at the same time, you're the heavyweight champion, you're running around motorcycles, you know what I'm saying? That's part of the risk you take, right? right? And so for that to happen, everybody at that point was like, Damn, like it was, it was, it wasn't just like a small accident where it's like, no, it was you know, bad. yeah, it was a bad one. I mean, it was bad enough that like you didn't know if fucking he was going to be able to fucking, you know, go back to living like normally again. Yeah. And then he was, and then he came back. And when he came back in and he had fights, he looked like he couldn't do anything. He couldn't put anything together. Everything looked super labor, labored. He was losing to people that he shouldn't lose to. So through that whole thing, you're just like, Oh, this is fun. This, this sucks because you knew underneath all that or what, who he used to be. And you were just like, fuck, like that's what happens, man. That's what happens in life when you fuck up. But he didn't let that stop him. 
and he continued to get through those, to gut through those, and to figure out whatever he needed to figure out, and then come back even stronger, come back with an even even more evolved game. His stand-up then, with this stand-up game, getting the knockout wins we talked about, facing Noguera and fucking take, and, yeah. and submitting Noguera. You know, I mean, what he was able to do is by no means... Um, you know should be um like uh, like underscored or should be like you know not thought of um in the whole grand scheme of mma because it is it's it's a great testament to the human spirit it's a great testament to what can be possible when you believe in yourself you know that's what his whole career was his whole career was he believed in himself more than anybody else gave him the chance to and that's why he was able to reach all the highs that he was and he was able to obtain so much more than a lot of other fighters were not just in his overall career but overcoming all these mounting obstacles that you know were thrown against him or that he put himself in or however you want to look at that i mean that's the thing about about frank mir that when i think of frank mir and i think about you know um, what he's done for the sport and why and how he should be remembered isn't just for the titles. It's the fact that he even, you know, was able to make it back to the title. And then the version of Frank Mir that came out of that, I mean, it that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot in life. And so, you know, it's oh, sort of reminiscent of the fucking Vinny Pazienza fucking car accident being able to do it. But you're having combat at such a higher level. It's not even just, you know like boxing it's it's literally the stand-up game plus the submission game you know and having to go against all the guys that were the greatest at it you know i mean seriously at that time crow cop was looked at as like one of the best if not the best striker noguero was the submission dude um you know what i'm saying i mean Mm. and so and so yeah so i don't know i don't know if his record will be able to be enough to cement him into the ufc's hall of fame but if there was an MMA Hall of Fame, he's definitely a shoe in for it, and should be um, for all those th- for all of his attributes and for everything he was able to do, and, and even to today, even today he trains his daughter is you know um, yeah. in and around the sport. Yeah. I mean that's the thing about it is like he still for all the wars and the accident and everything has his cognitive abilities all there mentally. He was a he did really good commentating for the WEC, um, you know during that whole period of. Uh, kind of toning down the UFC um, combat stuff. He was he showed another great wrinkle to what Frank Mir was able to do and overcome and all the rest of that. And so it's just, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, definitely one of my all-time favorites. Definitely somebody that had to overcome long odds. <clears throat> it was it was the way he finished, it was the way he finished his submissions that, that did it for me. You see a lot of people go for submissions. You see a lot of people get submissions and then other people get out of it. That never happened with Frank. Yeah. If he locked something up, he either tapped or that shit was breaking. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times people, they get submissions and they get them and then they kind of like wait for their opponent to like tap before they do it because they don't want, because it is a lot to weigh on your conscience when you take somebody out or break their arm or their leg or whatever like that. But Frank Mir knew the game that he played. He knew that. It's the same thing in the stand-up. You could get fucking, you know, Wally Wopped in the stand-up yeah. and end up yeah. fucked up, you know, for good. So he was like, dude, I'm going to fucking do the same thing with the ground game. And, and yeah, and he was vicious with it. And he showed that it wasn't just something. It wasn't just, you know, he was one of the first fighters to come along and show that, like, 
submission grappling wasn't just something of catching your opponent or being like methodical with it. It was something it was that you could be aggressive them. and fucking yeah. go after them and take them out. I yeah. mean, most of his submission wins were, you know, in the first round or two. You oh, know absolutely. What I'm saying? No, and absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and yes, like you said, so, so aggressive and so, so many varied attacks too. It wasn't, he wasn't one of those, you know, like I said, that's why I've made the point of saying, no beer naked chokes. This wasn't a guy that wrestled you, wore you out, took your back, and sunk in a choke. This was a dude that if if you left your arm out there, it was going to be the arm. Yes. If you left your leg out there, it was going to be the knee bar or the toe hold. If you gave him your neck, it was going to be a fucking guillotine. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it didn't matter. I mean, if you put your elbow in the wrong spot, he was taking that. Exactly. I mean, it didn't matter. That yeah. was the thing about it. It's like, you couldn't fuck around with Frank Mir. You couldn't fuck around with him when it comes to that shit. So, which a lot of grappling guys do, even to today. Even a lot of times guys will get submissions and the guy will have it locked and the fighter's like, you know what, fuck this. Picks him up, slams him, maybe gets out of it, you know? And so he takes the risk. Against somebody like Frank Mir, it just, it it wouldn't matter. Before you even got to the slam, your arm was already broke, you know? I mean, so. Four places. (laughs) Yeah, and you still don't see that to today, you know? There isn't somebody that's like that to today. So, yeah, hats off to Frank Mir, definitely. So, great um great pick and yeah definitely it for the younger fans for everybody who may not know that's definitely somebody that that's definitely a need to know for yeah you know go watch some frank mirror highlights on youtube they're they're fucking fun to watch yeah man. yeah exactly. <laughs> fun to watch exactly i still remember watching seeing noguera laying there looking at his arm when it's like bent I know. so fucking I out know. of place like yep he's there just it like is. oh fuck like, yeah yeah, and Frank Mir was walking around the cage just like, I fucking told you, I'm fucking <laughs> yeah, weary. Like, yeah. fucking, yeah. That was fucking awesome. <clears throat> All right. Um, All right. So <clears throat> moving on to the one-on-one. Um, what's what's coming up? What to watch? So, yeah. So we talked a little bit before about, um, you know, with uh, the whole Nanganu Fury thing, uh, MMA guys going into boxing, not having great um, performances. Mm-hmm. There's been even fewer boxers that have made their way into MMA. Yeah. And so for my one-to-one on this episode, I wanted to bring up um, really two events. Um, the first one was UFC 118, Edgar versus Penn 2. Um, this happened um, August 28, 2010. Yeah. And uh, since we're like close to UFC 300, you can guess that it was con- long considerable time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was the champion? I think Frankie was the was yeah the for the second one yeah because yeah, yeah. he won on points in the first yeah I yeah. know I hate so, I hate going back and revisiting these fights because I'm such a huge BJ Penn fan but but Frankie did a lot better in the second fight than he did in the first fight I thought the first fight was controversial which is why they had the rematch yeah, in the first place. exactly exactly but he did a lot better but, yeah in the second fight the second he put fight. that distance between him and BJ and solidified him being the champion for sure but that's not why I picked it no. I know why you picked it. I picked it because the co-main event was Randy Couture versus James Tony, and um, James Tony, the heavyweight, uh, light cruiserweight, was it? Yeah, no, heavyweight in a couple of a couple weight classes actually. Uh, Champion Um, boxer. Tony was a great boxer. Yeah, yeah, no, he was, and he came into the UFC and wanted to give the UFC a go, and the UFC was like, "Cool, we'll do that. We'll match you up against Randy Couture, who is not the biggest heavyweight, but um, you know." Already at that time, um, Hall and, of Famer. Right, and if not, so it's probably the closest parallel 
to Francis and Fury because even though Randy wasn't a current champ, he was a former champ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it made sense, like, in that whole sort of aspect. Um, but, yeah, it was an absolute mauling. Um, the boxer really had nothing to offer um, against uh, – Tony had nothing to offer against Randy. Randy was able to take him down and just beat him up bad and then find the arm triangle submission and submit him. And uh, Tony never fought again in no, MMA. And I remember he <laughs> was, yeah, I might have been a little bit worried for Randy just because he was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. He had been knocked out before mm-hmm. by you know Chuck Liddell and some of the other big heavyweights, um, but and and but he was a an army boxing champ yeah like not professional yeah. boxing yeah. champ but he had boxed in the army yeah like he had been he in the like, army yeah, he had done no, boxing army golden gloves thing yeah, exactly yeah. exactly he was what well, he was well versed plus we'd seen him fight we'd seen him go toe-to-toe and yeah and, against liddell and get knocked yeah. out and yeah. well i mean he beat liddell too like, yeah. like he was he was proficient enough to get where he needed the fight to yeah, be the navigator dirty yeah. boxing was always his forte you know he would be one of those guys that would pin you up against the cage and not necessarily take you down, just sit there, lean on you yeah. and beat the shit out of you up yeah. against the cage. Or work the half clinch. He was exactly. known for that. Yeah. And those uppercuts and the half clinch and really try to bruise you up and beat you up with that. Yeah. But that James Tony fight, Tony, he, it was like, he got tripped with an ankle pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally <laughs> just picked his foot up and exactly. fell over. And, <laughs> and Randy it. was like, you're not getting up. <laughs> no, like, that's no. it. So, yeah. yeah. So, and that's, that's what it was. Um, there were a lot of other good fights on the card. Uh, Damian Maya picking up a win. Um, Gray Maynard over who did, Ken Who Flo. did Maya beat in that? Uh, Mario Murata, Miranda. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Nate Diaz fought Marcus Davis wow. on that card with a technical submission. Joe Lozon. A uh, whole bunch of guys fought on it. Who Dan, did Joe Lozon beat on that one? Gabe Rudiger. No submission. shit. That's a yeah. good win. Yeah. Um, Dan Miller uh, fought on it. But the other card that I wanted to bring up, and I'm pretty sure we watched this together live, was... I thought we watched that. CFFC5, um, which was Kimbo Slice versus Ray Mercer. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure you came over to my mom's house over on 3rd <laughs> yeah. and we watched that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her room, no less. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> um, yeah, um, so this was the... Um, Really, the only other time a boxer tried his hand in MMA. To be fair to Ray, he gave it another try years later, fought Tim Sylvia, and got a knockout. Okay. Okay. So he wasn't okay. done. But all things considered, these two are the instances where the boxer tried to come into MMA and make it happen. And um, it was Ray Mercer. It was his first MMA fight. Okay. Uh-huh. It was Kimbo Slice's first mma fight gotcha because at that time he was a street fight legend yep. he had yep. had a he bunch was a of bare knuckle backyard yeah he had a bunch of youtube or was it youtube I, don't, I think it was i think it was yeah he had a bunch of uh backyard fights and was known for that and so this was really like the beginning of um trying to push him to see what you know they could do with him uh before lead xc before all of that and uh kimbo slice who is a uh monster of a personality in and around the sport um rest in peace um you know was able to not only get the victory against ray but it was a uh sub- it was a guillotine uh, yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was crazy because both these guys were stand-up guys. Both of these guys really weren't skilled in MMA. No. And so for Kimbo Slice to get his to submission. To get a guillotine show. And, I mean, it may have been his only submission he ever got. I'm willing to bet it is. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was great. But the, the other thing that I want to talk about with this card was we talked about Dan Miller fighting on the last one. And Jim Miller, his brother, mm-hmm. fought on this one and got a triangle. So... You know, the six degrees of separation, whatever the fuck. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Nice so. way to bring that full circle. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, those are the one-on-ones. Definitely go check out those fights if you haven't to get a better idea of what happens if a boxer tries to come into MMA, um, the discrepancies between it. Um, and, yeah. And I love to hear that these days. You know, there's talk of... Deontay Wilder maybe coming into MMA and may and maybe he could do something. Okay, maybe he could. Maybe. I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be one of those guys like on the boxing side that they're like, huh, you know, and laugh it off because the thing is about this sport that like you never fucking know. That's what's so beautiful about mm-hmm. it. You never fucking know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so, um, but at the same time, these are the um, these are the um, just, examples that we have to draw from. So. Just if you do, just take it seriously and work some clinch and take down the fence and, and grappling. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you need to. <laughs> yeah. You definitely need to. All right. So with that, we will work our way to the end of round two. All right. <clears throat> Where's my cut, man? Grab me, me. All right. So uh, for corner talk two, um, question I got is... Hey guys, what do you make of big drama between Masvidal, Sonnen, and others? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. So, Will. Okay. What is your What are your thoughts on the whole um, Masvidal, Sonnen? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Uh, Masvidal and Sonnen are both really big shit talkers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons why we like them as fans because they're they talk a lot of shit and they're fairly good at it. I'm not sure why they feel like they have beef with each other. That is a little bit surprising to me, yeah. but um, but I, you know that's it's just it's one of the things you have to you have to deal with nowadays. Not just with the social media and you know everyone and their mom having a podcast and you know hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I know I know I know, but that's that's you know the thing that that that's that's just what happens. I don't I, I don't know. I, I, okay, so personally. I don't, I don't think too much of it, but I wouldn't think too much of it regardless of who it was. Like, that's true. You know, I yeah. just, you know, that's just, just me. I like it more when two people have, have both signed an agreement to fight each other, shit talking each other, because I know we're gonna get something out of that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what he says. Well, let's see how he responds to that. Okay, well, that wasn't that good. Okay, well, we get to see how it plays out when they get in there and they punch each other in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, exactly. And when I seen um, this question there, I thought like the same thing that I didn't really think much of it, but it's one of those things that like, I don't want to say polarizes the sport, but it really brings in people or really like some people just need the drama, right? So it's like, all right, you know, like, well, fucking we'll hash it out. Um, I get why Masvidal is doing it. Um, Masvidal has reached um, significant heights that, um, are probably insurmountable. He'll probably never reach again. Um, and not to not to throw any kind of shade on him about it, but at the same time, um, he's a promoter now. 
Mm-hmm. He has multiple different um, organizations, mm-hmm. and it benefits him to um, keep the hype going, no matter what it is, because it right. keeps the light on him, and he can use that to, you know, put the light on his organizations and make money. And there's been talk about him coming back and maybe having a boxing match or something like that. And if he does, I mean, it would only make sense that he would do it in his own promotion unless somebody's going to pay him a shit ton of money. Maybe the people in Saudi Arabia pay him a bunch of money. I don't know. Right. Um, they might. So, yeah, exactly. Maybe it'll be on the co-main event of Francis's next card. Who right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> but all things to consider, I see why Maswell does it, okay? Sonnen is a little bit more murky to me because I feel like his whole shtick now is that, um, you know, he's an MMA personality of sorts. He kind of, you know, tried to do the news type thing, and then that didn't really work out because not only is that the news business of MMA kind of, I don't know, it's kind of not not so not so like to the surface about stuff. It's a lot of kind of like, you know, backdoor stuff. And not only that, but there's not a lot in it. There's not a lot of ways to like really like push yourself and to make money off of it and the rest of it. So I never saw him as being one of those guys that had the contacts to get that kind of insider info that some of them yeah. do, you yeah. know, like an Ariel Hawani or right. a yeah. John Anik or some of those other. Yeah. No, but there's all, you're right. But then there's also like the Luke Thomases. Right. And right. they're really analytical. There's the fucking his buddy um, on Mortal Kombat, uh, on Morning Combat, um, Brian, I forget what his name is. He's like a comic of sorts, like kind of a slapstick kind of. Oh, yeah. There's yeah, different yeah. personalities for yeah. the sport. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's the schmo who also is kind of uh-huh. reminiscent of that. K. He plays a persona and stuff. That's the beautiful thing about this sport is that it's brought from the whole sideshow wrestling circus type thing, the same mm-hmm. way that professional wrestling comes from. That's its origins as well. Um, and so we always, you know, have some sort of spot there for the carnies. Um, <laughs> my thing is that uh, Sonnen, you know, really was able to make his career off of running his mouth. Um, and so because of that, now that he no longer fights, I get why he continues to do it. Um, it always... It, to me, though, it always, and you're going to hate me for this, but I'm going to say it because <laughs> this is how I feel, um, it really is kind of weird how he'll go and call out other fighters or he'll like be like, hey, MMA personality, you would you'd say that about this fighter, but you would never say it to their face because of this and that, when at the same time, it's like, dude, you got your own skeletons in your closet. Yeah, you know that you don't want to talk about that. You, that nobody wants to ever like question, which I don't get. Like that's why I think all this shit is a work because all you would need to do is be like, chill, go fucking beat up on some senior citizens in Vegas outside their hotel room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And end the fucking and end the shit. Yeah. But they never do. So my thing is that it's probably all stick work. And the other thing is that I appreciate that. Like I said before, it has a spot in this sport for it. Um, if 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 not. For that kind of thing, Conor McGregor would never have got to the height of where he was. Yeah. So we can't like you know um, not be not afford to pay it its respects. But at the same time, it really doesn't do much for me personally, right? Because right. I am much more centered around the evolution of the sport, the evolution of the combat, the transcendence of the human spirit with that. Um, I get a lot more out of just like, for instance, watching this last UFC event and seeing um, 
the amount of respect that both the amount of um, respect and integrity that was shown by both Yuri and Alex, both in in before the fight and and after. No, exactly. Um, Yeah, those guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, exactly. But uh, so, but that, but that sort of thing really drives it more home with me, and really gives it, you know, gives me a lot more um, like excitement on the sport mm-hmm. being able to see that and being able to see like all of this at the end of the day is just us fighting ourselves the best fighters are those that you know are able to you know not be it not be held back by them own by their own selves and put on the best performances mm-hmm. that's how you get you know holloway to do his stuff Aldo to do his stuff. All the greats, right? We're Absolutely. able to shed all of that GSP. We're able to shed all of that of what is going to hold them back in there and then go put out the best performance because it really is, at the end of the day, it's not just us fighting each other. It's us fighting ourselves. And so um, because of that, I, I I get a lot more off of it. But I also hold um, hold the esteem for, for the whole sideshow <laughs> thing. So I always considered... Chael Sonnen, an MMA personality who just happened to fight, you know, because I, I always felt like because I always felt like he was better at that than he was at fighting. You're no, I mean, <laughs> you know you're not I mean? wrong. You're not wrong. Exactly, so, you're not wrong. Yeah, so it's I don't know. Yeah, he <clears throat> no, you're right. He maybe missed his calling with that. Just think if he would have been if he could have been in professional wrestling at that time oh yeah dude he would have been up there with promos against the rock yep. and against like all those guys you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like he could have god damn it chill like yeah yeah you missed your calling bro. yeah but still at the same time <laughs> he had some great fights because of it nonetheless than the anderson silva the first fight um will <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably always be the the greatest one and oh, not just shit. because of the performance that he put on which was spectacular but um I will always remember that fight um, personally because um, I had a bunch of friends that I had <laughs> grown up with, and uh, I invited Mr. Will over <clears throat> to watch the fights over there. And everybody, you know, nobody and, knew Mr. Will. Nobody and, and knew. And I hated Anderson Silva yeah, at this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you wouldn't know that just by knowing Will. And then the main <laughs> event started, and Chael Sonnen started putting it on Anderson Silva, and Will was not holding back. <laughs> he was letting everybody know how he thought about Anderson Silva. <laughs> And the rest of it, and it was it was amazing. It really was. I uh, fucking told you, Anderson <laughs> Silva ain't shit. Just was whooping his ass. He's, like, he's a bitch, and everybody's just like, "Oh shit!" And so, just and like, so, hey, so who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, no, but that's why it, it always holds a special place um, in my heart because of the performance that he put on there. I had watched him, you know, in the WEC fighting Paulo Filio and fucking mm-hmm. tapping and then being like, I didn't tap. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so I was just like this fucking guy. But at the same time, based on just him doing that, he was able to not only fight for the middleweight title, fight against John Jones for yeah. the light heavyweight yeah, title, true. went on to fucking fight in Bellator, uh, you know, and for their championship. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing about it. No matter how you feel about it on any sort of personal level, like there is a place for that here. And yeah. so fucking, you know, whether or not you acknowledge it, it's it's there and it is a different uh, definitely an attribute that um is underutilized in the sport and then when those that do figure out that mental game and that, you know, mouthpiece part come into the sport and utilize it, 
they shoot right up to the top because of that. They do. You know? They do. So there's nobody else there to really draw from. So that is what that is. So thanks for your questions. And with that, we will move on to round three. All right. All right. So looking forward um, to what we have coming up, we have um, UFC Fight Night 118, Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Um, Really amazing main event. Um, there's some other interesting fights on the card. What do you, uh, what do you think? Yeah. So the, the spotlight fight for me is definitely the Brendan Allen, Paul Craig. hundred percent. Um, Paul Craig has moved down in weight to middleweight. He's looked good there so far. Uh, Brendan Allen, I've been singing his praises and waiting for him to move up the ladder for a while now. I, I really like him. I'm fully behind Brendan Allen. Um, so I'm excited to see this fight cause I do. I like both of these fighters. <clears throat> um, from the betting perspective, they've got Paul Craig as a two to one underdog in mm-hmm. this fight, mm-hmm. which I think I think that's a decent bet. I think that's good money. He's actually plus two fifty right now. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely good money. So the thing about these two fighters is, um, Paul Craig for all of the other training he's done, all the other things he's gotten better at. He's a submission guy. Yes. This is a guy that even up a weight class at 205 has submitted the likes of um, Magomed and Goliath. Mm-hmm. He submitted Jamal Hill. These yep. are two guys that have recently fought for the 205 belt. Yep. Like this guy traps people. This yeah. guy gets submissions, okay? Yeah. Um, and he does his best work from the bottom, yeah. which again is not one of those things you don't see yeah. very often. Usually people are getting submissions from a dominant position, not from their back. He's comfortable off of his back. Now Brendan Allen, on the other hand, he's gotten he's got some submissions to his credit. He's got good hands, but he tends to like to take the fight to the ground and be in top position. Yep. So this is going to be one of those fights where Brendan Allen is going to have to put himself in Paul Craig's world in order to get this the result that he wants. And I think that's dangerous. As much as I like Brendan Allen, um, I think the plus two fifty is is a good bet on Paul, Paul Craig. Yeah, I don't know if I don't think because of his hands, I don't know if he necessarily has to put himself there. But I do know with what you're talking about, as far as his strength in the ground is the top. Mm-hmm. He likes to work the top. Um, really good at preventing any kind of submissions from it, ground and pound, really taking it and beating his opponent from that position. And Paul Craig's strength is being off his back. Yeah. You know, and so the two strengths, how those match up, very well could. Um, the thing about Paul Craig is that um, even though I would give the advantage also to Brendan Allen um, in the fight, is that um, he is probably the only person close to the type of aggressive submission type guy like Frank Mir that yeah. we just talked about that's in the sport today. Yeah. He's not somebody you can sleep on because if you do, he will – you'll go to sleep or he'll take something yeah, home absolutely. snap something. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the thing about it is that if they're going to go and put, you know, a two-to-one underdog on him, I think it's good money. Yeah. Um, the other spotlight fight I had on there as far as betting was <clears throat> Chase Hooper versus Jordan Levitt. Oh. Um Chase Hooper, really young kid, came from the Contender Series. Mm-hmm. Um, has he, He's a good fighter. He's talented. He's more talented on the ground than he is on the feet. But he's he's a minus 250 favorite, and I'm not sure why, because he's up against Jordan Levitt. They're, they have, like, similar records, right? I'm pretty sure their records are, are similar. I think they probably are. 
similar, but they're totally different styles of fighters. Mm-hmm. Levitt has decent hands. I think he has the edge there. Levitt's really good at wrestling. And I'm just not sure. 11 and 2 versus 12 and 3. 11 and 2 and 12 and 3. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't I don't see it. Like I said, I've got I've got Jordan Levitt at plus two hundred. I'm happy with that. Um, so that's my second spotlight fight for bets. Nice. Um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, Chase Hooper is one of those guys that is sort of surging, um, but it has you know won one or won two and lost one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's been his thing. So um, right now he's kind of making his way to the top. I think that um, his older brother, um, the Russian guy, what's his name? Um, I didn't know he had. No, it, it looks like his older brother. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, not Krylov, but I forget what his name is. That The guy that looks like the Russian version of him that is just like a really, um, like, Superior striker, you know what I'm talking about? I forget what his name is. Yeah, anyways, no, not coming to my mind either. Anyways, fuck it. Um, but yeah, so definitely makes makes uh, good sense as far as that goes. Um, we also have coming up Bellator 301. Yeah, probably the, Bellator's last, the last card. Yeah, Bellator's dead. <laughs> <laughs> probably Bellator's last card. We haven't heard anything about them doing anything past this, but um. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just holding out, waiting to get one more big event in there before the end of the year. We know at the end of the year, they're closing down. They've sold the PFL. All things considered, PFL really, I don't think, would make sense to keep Bellator going. No, not pay to run Bellator. Yeah. yeah. Like, part it out, keep the pieces you want. Yeah. and Yeah. Discard the rest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, main event of that is... Um, Amasov versus Jackson um, should be yeah Amasov's Am- fight to lose um, yeah twenty seven and zero I mean yeah so uh, should be good um, my uh, spotlight bet fight whatever the fuck you want to call it for this um, episode will be on this card it is uh, Sergio Pettis versus um, Patchy Mix um, we have. Sergio Pettis is a 220 underdog versus Patchy Mix at negative 275. So um, it is crazy. Patchy Mix is the younger fighter um, on the come up, 18 and 1. I understand. But Sergio is the proven veteran. He just, you know, recently um, took on, you know, Pitbull, yeah. beat him. Um, is the cha- the bantamweight champion? Yeah, and is um, considered um, the underdog in that fight. And so, he's, if he's got legit wins on his record, no, he's got yeah. a win over Henry Cejudo. I know, I know. No, like, he, yes, exactly. He's exactly. he's slick. Yeah. He's clever. Yeah, he has good takedown yeah. defense. And there's nothing that has shown that he's on his way out. Exactly. Right? No, so, I think those odds are crazy. Yeah. So I think they're crazy too. So if they're gonna give it to you. Then take it, you know. Yeah. Take it. So, um, I definitely have Sergio Pettis um, for that. Um, 
at least the money wise um the fight could go either way the fight's a lot closer the fight is a fucking pick em, i'll be honest with you all things considered i consider it a pick em. but that's why we like those odds though. exactly um but there is a lot of interesting fights on the card and if i was somebody that was looking to um put together maybe a nice little like three or four leg parlay it really looks like with this card that Bellator is kind of stacking up to get some good performances on yeah. the way out. So they're matching up guys um, with against you know um, opponents that don't really seem like it's going to very be like it wouldn't be maybe as competitive of a fight as you would hope to see right. or that normally would be because of that because of the fact that they are going out so they want to give some of these guys like one last really good look to kind of help propel them into yeah, negotiations and the rest of that and and whatever ends up happening after it so i'm not gonna tell you what to do because that's how i'm gonna make my money but <laughs> it, i will put that out there there are um definitely some ones to look at you can look at the records you can think for yourself and put together what you will um but yeah, that's what I would look at. So nice. And then also um, next two weeks we have um, actually it's coming up um, this weekend. It is uh, BKFC Bulgaria. BKFC um, talked about earlier trying out some new things in Thailand. They're going to put together a card in Bulgaria. Get a bunch of those Eastern Bloc um, menacing looking motherfuckers to. Get in the ring and um, yeah, no, toe, some, toe the line. So just some scary, square-jawed-looking dudes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're doing that that whole regional scene, right? Yeah. Where, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of these guys. You know, their BKFC records are 0-0. And they're yeah. fighting another 0-0 guy. Yeah. So they just, they're like, hey, we're going to have an event here. Yeah. Give us a, a ring and an arena. Yeah. And anyone that... And we'll punch each other in the fight. Yeah, anyone that feels like... Which, you know, in the Eastern European month, there's probably a lot of those guys. So. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if those fucking billionaires aren't paying them to kidnap people to kill on the weekends, <laughs> then, yeah, they're definitely, you know, they need some work. So, uh yeah, so I'll be tuning in to see what it is because you never know. You never no, know. No, it could be good, man. It, yeah, and off of this, we may be able to get um, you know somebody that's a next high prospect because yeah. you never know. You know, fucking these guys have nothing to lose, and um, I guarantee you'll see some blood. Yeah, I'll tell you that. So yeah. if that is what you were looking for, I would look no further than that. And besides that, my friend, I think that is it. All right. So. <clears throat> With that, we will bid you adieu until next time. But as always, thanks for listening, guys. This has been Snapcast.